Hello and welcome to uh, Podiatrics Pediatric Podcasts. Today we're going to talk about the child with microcytosis. So before you switch off and think, oh, sounds boring, um, we're going to go through some cases and talk about today what you might be thinking when a child presents with microcytosis and what could it be. And some really handy exam tips, I hope, that will make it easier in exams to choose the correct option. So what is microcytosis? So it's a decrease in the size of red cells. So micro meaning small, uh, cytosis cells, so small cells. So it's a decrease in the size of red cells and the, um, the size of your red cells, what's acceptable changes by age. So you'll be given reference values in an exam how we distinguish, so microcytosis is different from microcytic anemia. So we'll talk about both things today. So microcytosis are small red cells. Uh, microcytic anemia is when your hemoglobin's low as well. How we define whether cells are normal size, big, small, is using something called your mean corpuscular volume. Um, your, it also sometimes called mean cell volume. Mean means average, so that's the first bit. Corpuscle means small body, and that's used synonymously with red and white blood cells. So mean, corpuscular, okay, red cell, volume, size. So it's the average size of your red cells. So if you've got a microcytosis, the average size of your red cells are smaller than they should be. The most common causes are iron deficiency anemia and your haemoglobinopathies. So there's a lot, there are a few different causes. So there's iron deficiency anemia that we will talk about today, thalassemia that we will talk about today, lead intoxication that we will talk about today, um, sideroblastic anemia, I'll just mention now, you get sideroblasts or ring-shaped cells. That's all that I'm going to say on that one. Chronic disease and anemia of chronic um, anemia of chronic disease I'm not going to talk about today because um, it's very controversial if it belongs to microcytic or normocytic so um, to prevent um, people getting confused by it it's something that can give you a microcytic anemic also can be normocytic and it's due to inflammation um, inhibiting your iron mobilisation, normally because of the production of cytokines, um, so often given away in exams by your CRP being high as well, or having a history of kind of a rheumatological condition, etc., or an inflammatory condition. So the first one we're going to talk about is iron deficiency anemia. Why do kids get iron deficiency anemia? Well, there's three main reasons. Either they don't take enough iron in, so that's a low dietary iron intake. Second thing, malabsorption. So they're not able to absorb iron properly. And the third thing is blood losses. Iron is crucial for erythropoiesis. So it shouldn't surprise you that low iron levels is bad news for your red cells. I wanted to deviate and then come back quite quickly. Cow's milk has got a low iron content and it can actually lead to, especially in overconsumption, you can get blood loss as well with it. So that's two of the problems um, and 
calcium and casein, casein being an important protein, inhibit um, non-heme heme iron absorption. So actually, cow's milk has got a low iron content, it can lead to blood loss, and it has causes problems with um, iron absorption. So actually, the three reasons that we said just previously, cow's milk is bad news for all three of them. Um, breast milk has got lots of other great things, isn't particularly iron rich in comparison to other stuff. But again, in exams, um, a child drinking lots of cow's milk or milk other than breast milk um, tends to be um, mentioned in iron deficiency anemia. So we're going to talk about some three cases and then we're going to go through these three cases at the end and see if you can solve them. So patient number one has got a low haemoglobin, a low MCV, so has got a microcytic anemia, has got low iron, low ferritin, okay? So that's quite a few things. They have got a high red cell distribution width and their Mensa index is greater than 13 and they've got a high total iron binding capacity. Don't worry about trying to solve them now. We'll go through them at the end. So that's the first case. The second case is a patient with low haemoglobin, low MCV, so microcytic anemia. They've got a normal total iron binding capacity, so different from the previous question. Uh, patient number one had a high total iron binding capacity. This patient's got a normal one. Normal ferritin rather than the low ferritin in patient number one. Their Mensa index is less than nine and they've got hepatosplenomegaly and jaundice. So they're symptomatic. They've got other stuff going on. Number three, very similar to number two, low haemoglobin, low MCV, normal iron, normal iron total unbinding capacity. Okay. They've got a Mensa index less than 13. So similar to the previous one. And they've got normal electrophoresis. So this is the giveaway and we'll talk about this later on. So there are three cases and by the end of this podcast hopefully you'll know the answers to all three. So beta thalassemia and iron deficiency anemia the two things I want you to think about in an exam when you've got a child with a microcytic anemia. So beta thalassemia is inherited so it's autosomal recessive so there might be a family history um, of people in the family either being carriers or having the condition. They know you have a normal or high iron in beta thalassemia and your iron is low in iron deficiency anemia. Um, ferritin, again, normal in beta thalassemia and low in iron deficiency anemia. You get a high red cell distribution width that we'll talk about in a second in iron deficiency anemia and you get a high total iron binding capacity. The reason you get um, a high total iron binding capacity is because your total iron binding capacity goes up when your iron levels go down. If you've got less iron, you have to become better at binding it. So in iron deficiency anemia, when you haven't got enough iron, um, your binding capacity, so your ability to mop up and bind that iron improves. Red cell distribution width is basically the distribution of the size of your red cells. So the reason with patients with iron deficiency anemia have a high um, red cell distribution width is because they have something called anisocytosis. So anisocytosis is when you have an equal size of red blood cells. So because they're going to have some really small cells 
and they're going to have some really big cells in iron deficiency anemia because it affects the bone marrow you're going to churn out size uh, red cells of different sizes so they have unequal sizes therefore the distribution between the smallest cells and the bigger cells is going to be more than in beta thalassemia the Mensa index is something that um, a gentleman called William Mensa came up with in 1973. Um, I googled his name because I like to know from a, a visual stimulus what these um, revolutionary medical men and women um, came up with. I googled it and it actually came up with a link to Murderpedia that I've never heard of before. So apparently um, he, this very unfortunately shares his name with um, a contract killer who's in prison for shooting people in California. Uh, but anyway, back to the Mensa Index. So the Mensa Index is named after William Mensa, um, not the guy who, who um, is on Murderpedia. Um, and it's an amazing way of distinguishing iron deficiency anemia from beta thalassemia. And it's quite a neat way of looking at things. So I've just, so the Mensa Index, you divide your mean cell volume by the number of red cells you've got. Don't worry about memorising it, but the Mensa index is really incredible. So if I took some random values and um, looked at potentially myself, so mean cell volume of 80 um, and the number of red cells I've got um, per microliter is basically 5 times 10 to the 6. Okay, kind of like 5 million. So 5 million cells. If you divide 80 divided by 5, you would give me a Mensa index of 16. I mean, you wouldn't have done it in the first place because I haven't got microcytosis. But if we have an idea that around about 16 tends to be normal, then we can begin to say, well, what would abnormal be? And we use this quite neatly. We use a cutoff of about 13. And if it's higher than 13, it suggests iron deficiency anemia. And if it's less than 13, thalassemia. The reason why is a really neat bit of physiology and hope this is the bit you're going to remember. So we're dividing your mean cell volume by your red blood cells, the number of red blood cells you've got. In iron deficiency anemia and thalassemia, your mean cell volume is decreased. They've both got that in common. So the, um, I forgot what it's called, so the denominator on the bottom, the numerator on the top of the equation as both going to be low. The interesting thing is, because iron deficiency anemia, your bone marrow can't produce as many red blood cells and they're small. So both your mean cell volume and your red cells will both be low. Okay. When you have got beta thalassemia, this is a disorder of globin synthesis, your beta globin chains. So the number of red cells you produce is normal, but the cells are small. So the bottom bit of your equation, your red cells, will be normal in thalassemia and decrease in iron deficiency anemia. So if you imagine if the number on the bottom of your equation is bigger, so red cells are normal rather than low, then in thalassemia, your Mensa index is less than 13 and in iron deficiency anemia, it's greater than 13. To explain that again, Mensa index is mean cell volume divided by red cells, the number of red cells you've got. In iron deficiency anemia, it's a bone marrow problem. You don't produce as many red cells and you produce small cells. 
So your mean cell volume and your number of red cells will both be low. The difference is in beta thalassemia, it's a disorder of globin synthesis. So you produce a normal number of red cells, but the cells are small. So the top number, your mean cell volume, there won't be too much to choose between the two conditions, but your red blood cell number will be higher. And if the number on the bottom is higher and the number on the top is pretty much the same, then this will lead to your index being a lower number because you'll be dividing by a bigger number. Okay. So important to think, take home point, Mensa index greater than 13, iron deficiency anemia, um, Mensa index less than 13, thalassemia, and that could be alpha or beta, okay? Depending on what chains are affected. Another important thing to mention is iron deficiency anemia, you tend to have a mean cell volume in the 70s, okay? Whereas thalassemia tends to be a mean cell volume in the 60s. So if you've got a really dramatically low MCV, um, that could be more indicative of thalassemia. Um, your red blood cell count in iron deficiency anemia is low and in thalassemia it's high, which forms the base of the Mensa index because actually your red blood cell count is normal or high in thalassemia, meaning that your Mensa index is lower because you're dividing by a bigger number on the bottom. Red cell distribution width and anisocytosis, you get an iron deficiency and red cell distribution width is normal in thalassemia and you'll have a low ferritin in iron deficiency anemia. So why do we care about beta thalassemia and thalassemias in general? So normal adult haemoglobin has got two alpha and two beta chains, okay? You might be familiar with something called fetal haemoglobin that makes up about 2% of our haemoglobin. So we're about 96% adult haemoglobin that has two alpha and two beta chains. Another thing that's worth thinking about is fetal haemoglobin, which is two alpha and two gamma. And haemoglobin A2, which is really important for beta thalassemia, which is two alpha chains and, um, and then two delta chains, okay? So that's the important thing. So normal haemoglobin that makes up 96% of a healthy adult has got two alpha chains and two beta chains. So two alpha chains and two beta chains is um, normal. If we then talk about beta thalassemia, okay? So if you've got beta thalassemia minor, you have few or no symptoms, okay? Beta thalassemia intermediate, that's kind of like the, 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 the one in the middle, um, is a mix of minor and major. Major requires medical intervention to sustain childhood transfusions, etc. Beta um, chain problems become more apparent at the age of six months, as at six months, and the infant makes more adult haemoglobin than fetal haemoglobin. Okay, so it makes more adult haemoglobin than fetal haemoglobin. And what does adult haemoglobin need that fetal haemoglobin doesn't? It needs beta chains. Because remember, normal adult haemoglobin, see there's a point to me mentioning this stuff. Normal adult haemoglobin is two alpha chains and two beta chains. Fetal haemoglobin is two alpha chains and two gamma chains. So fetal haemoglobin doesn't need your beta chains. It's not made up of beta chains. It's made up of gamma chains. So 
Um, you don't require beta chains to make fetal haemoglobin, but you need it for alpha haemoglobin. So about six months is the transition point where you produce more alpha, um, more haemoglobin A or adult haemoglobin. Adult haemoglobin requires beta chains. Really important clinical point. Six months of age, you the infant makes more adult haemoglobin than fetal haemoglobin. Fetal haemoglobin doesn't need um, any beta chains because it's two alpha and two gamma. Um, and haemoglobin A or adult haemoglobin needs two beta chains and two alpha chains. What do you get with uh, beta thalassemia? Well, you reduce your production of beta globin, which is really important, and you have an excess of alpha chains. Um, this leads to extra extravascular hemolysis, okay? Um, you have lots of alpha globin sitting around in your red cells and you destruct um, these cells because they're abnormal in the spleen. You get ineffective red cell production or erythropoiesis. Most of your erythroid precursor cells, your erythroblasts, die in the bone marrow. So then you have to have extra medullary hematopoiesis. Um, that can lead to bone marrow expansion in the skull. That can lead to skeletal deformities. You will also have increased iron absorption and that can lead to iron overload. So you can actually get a form of secondary hemochromatosis affecting the liver and the heart. Thalassemia, beta thalassemia, if we talk about it first, is characterised by a few different things. The beta thalassemia trait, um, you will get an elevated haemoglobin A2, which is the giveaway. Elevated haemoglobin A2, think beta thalassemia trait. Normal to mild anemia with no organomegaly. When we get to intermediate, the anemia is mild. You begin to have this um, expansion of the bone marrow in the skull. So you get the characteristic thalassemia facies and you can get hepatosplenomegaly as well. When it's major anemia, big spleen, big liver and growth failure. And often these are then transfusion dependent. Clinical presentation of thalassemia major They'd be pale, fatigue, shortness of breath on exertion, again, because of the um, anemia, poor appetite and poor growth. If they were actively hemolyzing, you could see jaundice, you could see gout because uric acid is contained in, um, in red cells, and gallstones, again, the release of bile. So um, beta thalassemia is a cause of gallstones as well as other things like hereditary spherocytosis. You get excessive erythropoiesis, but not in the bone marrow. So you get maxillary overgrowth. So you get, I do apologize for how unkind it is, um, but it's known as chipmunk facies. Um, and it's because of that maxillary overgrowth. So the maxilla appears really big. Um, you can get overcrowding of your teeth. You can get frontal bossing again because of bone marrow expansion um, and can also impair your hearing. Fetal haemoglobin on our bore curve lies to the left of adult haemoglobin. So fetal haemoglobin is really good at taking up oxygen in the hypoxic environment in the fetal circulation, but is not very good at dissociating oxygen into peripheral tissues. So that's worth thinking about as why these patients might have problems. Just to recap, adult haemoglobin is two alpha chains and two beta chains. Fetal haemoglobin is two alpha chains and two gamma chains. So you don't need your beta chains to make fetal haemoglobin, which is why this tends to present when 
the dependence on alpha hemoglobin, um, sorry, adult hemoglobin improves. So if we look at this again, if you have got normal genotype, you will have normal hemoglobin A, about 96%, normal hemoglobin A2, um, around about 2%, and normal hemoglobin F, 2%. If you were silent carrier for beta thalassemia, hemoglobin A, normal, hemoglobin A2, normal, hemoglobin F, fetal hemoglobin, normal. When we get into our minor, beta thalassemia minor, your, num your amount of adult hemoglobin will go down because you need two alpha chains and two beta chains. And if you haven't got the beta chains, um, your amount of adult hemoglobin will go down. Hemoglobin A2, which is another form um, of hemoglobin um, that you can have, what do you reckon would happen to that? So if your adult hemoglobin goes down, then your hemoglobin A2 will go up. So hemoglobin A2, um, again, requires your alpha chains, but doesn't require any beta chains. And we know hemoglobin F doesn't require beta chains. You get a predominance of hemoglobin A2 and hemoglobin F, so fetal hemoglobin. Again, much the same pattern then for beta thalassemia intermediate and major. So we don't produce as much hemoglobin A, adult hemoglobin, because you need uh, your beta chains for that. And then you'll produce normally more haemoglobin A2 and haemoglobin F that don't need beta chains. Exam giveaways, elevated haemoglobin A2, beta thalassemia trait. If you've got a normal Mensa index, okay, iron deficiency anemia, and if you get a low Mensa index, less than 13, think beta thalassemia. Alpha thalassemia is sometimes called haemoglobin H and it's mild diversion. You normally, if we think about this, if you have got, um, with alpha thalassemia, you can have alpha chains, okay? Alpha chains. So if you had four um, alpha chains, that would be normal. A carrier can have one abnormal of the four. Alpha thalassemia minor can have two chains being affected. Symptomatic is normally when you have three chains affected and actually four chains affected is incompatible with life. Um, and this is more kind of your um, genetics. So whether you have got four normal genes, normal, one abnormal, asymptomatic, two abnormal, might have a mild anemia, but largely asymptomatic. Symptomatic is when you begin to have three genes affected and four genes affected means you can't synthesize any alpha globin and is therefore incompatible with life. So four alpha genes um, affected, you can't synthesize anything. Normal electrophoresis in an exam points towards alpha thalassemia. We've said that largely the parameters are pretty similar, um, even down to the Mensa index. So a way of choosing between them is in an exam. If electrophoresis is normal, think alpha thalassemia. I know they're hard and fast rules. Right, so let's talk about how we evaluate patients with um, low haemoglobin levels. So if they had a microcytic anemia, often you give them iron and then you retest in a month's time. If the haemoglobin has improved, okay, 
um, kind of safety netting, other things, and then um, you'll continue treatment for another one to two months to fully replenish the stores, give advice about diet and cow's milk consumption, etc. If that didn't work, or um, yeah, so if you gave them iron and that didn't work, you'd then think, is there any source of bleeding? Have they got thalassemia? Okay. And that's kind of what you think about. So often, pragmatically, these patients are given iron and we see, does it improve it? Lead poisoning is probably the last thing I'm going to mention today. Lead poisoning is something in an exam. It's normally a child that's been licking paint or they live in an old house because um, lead paints were used in the past. Symptoms wise, abdominal pain, constipation, irritability, um, non-specific muscle and joint aches. You can, with really severe lead poisoning, get a lead line, which is a blue pigmentation across the um, interface between your gum and your tooth or your teeth, I should say. You get basophilic stippling, which is a giveaway in exams. And this is purplish blue dots dispersed throughout the red cells. Um, so we go back to our three questions. So patient number one had a low haemoglobin, a low MCV, low iron, had a Mensa index greater than 13, and a total high total iron binding capacity and high cell red, red, red cell distribution width. So that was iron deficiency anemia for question number one would have been the correct answer. Mensa index is high because red cells and mean cell volume both go down together. Mensa index less than 13, you'd um, begin to think of your thalassemias. And certainly if it was less than nine, that would be more indicative of beta thalassemia. Question number two, low haemoglobin, low MCV, hepatosplenomegaly and jaundice, so symptoms as well, with a Mensa index less than nine, with normal ferritin, normal iron, beta thalassemia. So hepatosplenomegaly and jaundice are things that you can see with beta thalassemia. Very similar presentation for question number three, but with normal electrophoresis, Mensa index less than 13, so this is probably a thalassemia. We would go with alpha thalassemia for the last one. So what have we covered today? Well, we talked about a few things. We've talked about the approach to a child with microcytosis. We've talked about iron deficiency anemia, alpha thalassemia, beta thalassemia. Talked briefly about um, lead poisoning. So you should be able to construct some differentials and know the exam giveaways. Think low ferritin, low iron, high total iron binding capacity in a child with microcytosis with a high Mensa index, iron deficiency. If you've got a patient with microcytic anemia that has actually got normal or high iron, it's not iron deficiency anemia. And if they have got uh, a Mensa index less than nine with hepatosplenomegaly and jaundice, beta thalassemia, Often the giveaway for beta thalassemia trait is an elevated haemoglobin A2. So keep a lookout for that one. Alpha thalassemia, normal electrophoresis. Remember, there's four genes. If all four genes were affected, um, that is incompatible with life. Um, and then you normally have to have three of the genes affected in order to be symptomatic. Two, you can have um, a mild anemia, but it tends to be asymptomatic. And one, no symptoms at all. Thank you very much for listening.